Hey everybody, welcome to an episode of Digging Deeper with the Glendale Road Church of Christ. I'm Stephen Hunter, the minister of the Glendale Road Church of Christ, and I want to welcome you. One of the things we do in this podcast of Digging Deeper is we try to dig deeper into some of the, I don't want to say issues, but some of the deeper things, the questions that some people may have. And the one that I want to address today is kind of a common discussion among various people, and that discussion is this. You know, it's it's somewhat accepted uh, in the general sense that the New Testament was not put together as the New Testament until the 4th century. And so a lot of people will say, well, the church decided which books to include and which books to exclude. And that's partly right. I don't think the church chose the books so much as they recognized the books that were already authoritative and that had been used for centuries up to that point. And so here's, here's the case that I want to present. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, Paul says, And what you have heard from me through many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Now, ancient civilizations were more oral than literary. That's to say that, uh, you know, you and I want to pick up a book or an article or a magazine in order to get information. But in those days, a good percentage of people didn't read. So when they heard things, they committed them to memory. For example, many of the great works of antiquity were written in a certain way so that it could be memorable. Much like our roses is red, violets are blue, blah, blah, blah. You you get the idea. So Paul said, the things that you've heard from me commit to faithful people who can teach others as well. So, all right, let's 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 get this down. Jesus died and rose somewhere between A.D. 27 to 33. The New Testament was written all the way up until the end of the first century, but the New Testament wasn't all put together as we have it until around A.D. 325, and some say later. So how did they do things without the New Testament as we have it? After all, the collection of these books steers the churches of Christ today. So there are several answers to that question, the first of which, 2 Timothy 2.2, they entrusted the doctrine to others. Now, another answer to that question is that that entrusting to others without the literary writings was then called tradition. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2, Paul says, I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions just as I handed them on to you. Now, that isn't the only passage that mentions tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. So there in 2 Thessalonians 2.15, you have word of mouth, but you also have letter. Now, sadly today, there are some who say, They have preserved the word of mouth. And I'm a little suspect of that, as you might be as well. It's hard to keep things word of mouth for so many centuries. And I feel like that a lot of people that use that, they impose it on things that were a later development, more so than what was given in the first century by Paul. But when you read on down in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, 
Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. So the apostolic tradition was kept by early church leaders, and we see it in our New Testament, whereas they saw it firsthand. So, first of all, they entrusted sound doctrine to others. Secondly, they already recognized certain writings as scripture. One example of this is 2 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. Peter writes, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, speaking of this as he does in all his letters. There are some things in them, hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So Peter had recognized the writings of Paul, though we don't know which writings he had in mind. He recognized the writings of Paul as scripture or on par as scripture. Now here's something that's really neat as well. When you read 1 Timothy 5.18, it says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain, and the laborer deserves to be paid. Paul is quoting Luke chapter 10 verse 7 in that passage. So if you look at it this way, Peter referred to Paul's writings as scripture. Paul in quoting scripture is quoting from the gospel of Luke. You kind of see how things were looking in that first century. So okay, they entrusted sound doctrine to others, number one. Number two, they already recognized certain writings and, uh, as scripture. And I would go on number three, it appears that unanimity was taught so that what was taught in one church was taught in all. So 1 Corinthians 4.17, For this reason I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ Jesus as I teach them everywhere in every church. So Paul is saying the things that I'm writing here, they're not unique to you. These are things that I teach in every church. You go a little bit later down in 1 Corinthians to chapter 7, verse 17. However that may be, let each one of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to which God call you. This is my rule in all the churches. So again, he mentions, uh, you know, the very thing that he's speaking of, that he's teaching. He teaches this in all the churches as well. Then you get to chapter 16, 1 of 1 Corinthians. Now concerning the collection for the saints, you should follow the directions I gave to the churches of Galatia. So again, he's saying what I've told them, I'm going to tell you as well. So, they lived without having a compiled New Testament by entrusting sound doctrine to others, by already knowing and recognizing certain writings in Scripture, by unanimously teaching in one church what was taught in all churches. But another point I want to make is that the New Testament writings were circulated. When you get to Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul writes, And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you read also the letter from Laodicea. So there you have a letter that was written to the Colossians, but that was to be sent to Laodicea. 
And Laodicea had a letter that was to be read at the church of Colossae. Also, First First uh, Thessalonians chapter five verse seventeen. Uh, no, First Thessalonians five verse twenty-seven. Paul says, "I solemnly command you by the Lord that this this letter be read to all of them." First Peter chapter one verse one. Peter writes to the exiles in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That then was pretty much the whole of Asia. So it's not just one, and sometimes these, like Galatia, Galatia is a province, it's not a city or a town, so that's a huge area. So when you take, like Ephesus was a city, Thessalonica was a city, but Revelation 1-4 is another example. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, and you read chapters 2 and 3 and you see that uh, there were various cities in Asia Minor to whom John wrote the Revelation. So with these letters being circulated, let's say you're not in Colossae to have the Colossian letter read. Well, it may have been eventually circulated to you. Same thing with First Peter and Revelation and various other works. So you have, uh, on the one hand, the teachers entrusting sound doctrine to others so that they can teach others. You have the recognition of certain writings of Scripture already. You have a unanimous teaching taught in all the churches. And then you have the circulation of those inspired letters in the New Testament. So when you get on, let's say you go outside of Scripture. What do we know is inspired? What do they consider inspired? Well, a writing by the, by the name of Didache, which I've referred to in previous podcasts, written between A.D. 50 and 60. It refers to the Lord's Prayer exactly how it appears in the Gospel of Matthew. Then, there is a letter called First Clement, which was written near the end of the first century, and he mentions the writings of Paul as Scripture, and he explicitly mentions Matthew, Luke, Acts, James, and First Peter. Ignatius, in A.D. 110, alludes to Matthew... Luke and John. Around the same time, Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John, he calls Ephesians Scripture. And he also references Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, 2 Thessalonians, and 1 and 2 Timothy. And he quotes Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So when you look at some of these early writings uh, by that are not inspired, but you look at how they quoted and and alluded to Scripture, what we call the New Testament, it's pretty clear to see that it wasn't the church that put the New Testament together, but rather it was the church that compiled the New Testament because these writings from the beginning had been recognized as divinely inspired. So, if you've ever wondered how did the early church do church without having the New Testament as we have it, now you know.